0: Welcome to another episode of Right Trend Geek Show and this episode is going to be a little different because we have only half of the show's host and it's just going to be me and Shankar is not going to join us for this episode. Instead I have with me Naga, the host of Passion People Podcast who also happens to be a finance expert and guess what we are going to talk about today? We're going to talk about money, especially personal finance and how to handle it and how to make intelligent investments so that you don't end up in trouble. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. welcome to Writer and Geek Show. Uh, thank, thank you, you Sh- for making time and being here.
1: Thank you, Vishnu. It's been uh, it's been a long time wish of mine to be on the show, and uh, <laughs> I think we did this a couple of weeks back uh, when yeah. we did our first crossover episode. But uh, it's nice to be a, a proper guest on uh, Writer and Geek.
0: Yeah, I kind of like these kind of episodes because it takes off the pressure of doing a lot of research and stuff and being prepared for uh, you know getting a backlash about something that I would have quoted wrong. This is more like a gonna be like a free flowing conversation between two friends, because I am zero when it comes to personal finance. And uh, I'm not very good at the way I spend and the way I save. So I'm looking at some personal uh, advice also from your side, probably. And I'm sure that many of our listeners also can, uh, you know, um, can understand more about how you go about personal finance, because this is a constant discussion that we have in my office. I have some friends who are really good at personal finance, who have a lot of mutual funds and all these kind of stuff, right? I don't right. understand anything about these things, except from what I've learned from learned the past one year, probably. I think this is a time when I first opened one of one mutual fund account, and I don't know head and, head and tails of it other than that. It, uh, you know, it takes money from my account every month. So I would really like to know more about this, and you being my friend, and you being in this industry for a long time, and you being an expert, I think um, there couldn't be a better way of doing this.
1: I don't. I don't know if I would call me uh, call myself an expert. Maybe expert is a little bit of a stretch, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely see what I can do to <laughs> kind of uh, you know throw some light in terms of what uh, what it is we're looking for, right? And it's a very important aspect, so. <clears throat> it's been on my mind uh, to do a bunch of uh, episodes on um, on being an adult, right? What it means to be an adult, and personally, right. I've been uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, lot, and uh, I think money is an essential part uh, of uh, you know being an adult. And so, it's, so it's nice to be having this conversation with you.
0: I appreciate that because um, and good that you mentioned this adult part, right? Uh, many of us, even though we progress in age. We don't necessarily bring adults and I'm a very good example of that because a few of my colleagues in my office who are my very close, close friends as well, they call me a teenager because in many of the things like finance and other things, I'm a carefree, I'm still a carefree kind of a person where I don't spend too much time thinking about, oh, you know what, five years down the line, I need to do this, I need to buy a house, so I need to start saving I'm more like a, okay, it comes in and goes kind of a person, right? So, uh, yeah, maybe I don't have many of the adult, uh, the things that an adult requires. This episode might probably be the first step in the direction. So, So uh, let me start uh, um, by asking you this, right? Uh, At least for us, there is no formal education on personal finance. Maybe even if you're a finance professional, I don't know what papers you take. I am an engineer, so we don't have anything to do with it, but... When do you think an individual or a person should be aware of something like a personal finance, where you need to take care of uh, the money that comes in and goes out, and be aware of how much you are spending, and plan for the future—that kind of a thing? Like these are all serious talks, which we always used to think that elders have, right? Right. Do you think, as a teenager or even as a small kid, you should be thinking about this?
1: See, there are uh, there. There is two things I am going to say about uh, about this. Right. The first thing is that the earlier you start the better because the earlier you start the better because you have the power of compounding on your side and whatever <clears throat> so the way your investments grow if you started investing at 15 versus you started investing at 25 or 35 is vastly different and so that's one one part of it we'll hold on to that the second part of it is that there are a lot of people who make money their life so i think through our conversation today i want to i want to see how we can Strike a good balance between maybe not looking at everything through the lens of money and being a little bit more pragmatic about it. You know, uh, if I can just ask you a question off off the top of your mind, right? How long uh, uh, do you think or how much do you think you would have to invest for a period of 30 years in order for it to become one crore?
0: Well, uh, are we talking about like monthly you set aside some amount of money and stuff? Um, Yeah, one crore is possibly, it's not a small amount for me at least. I mean, for many people, it might be a very small amount. But uh, I would say something around, um, I don't know, maybe like 50k for next 30 years. Will that make it? I'm not sure. I am not really good at compounding stuff.
1: So here's the thing, right? The actual amount that you would require is around... 10,000 rupees. What? And you, uh, the only thing that you need is that it needs to grow at like a 12% annually. Right. And you need to bump it up by 10% every year.
0: Oh, this is this is like 10,000 is something that I I might probably spend in restaurants. I mean, Absolutely. normal person spends in a restaurant Absolutely. for a month, right? You go for a couple of dinners you spend like five days going to a coffee shop, you're done. 10,000 is done, right? Absolutely. So you're telling me if I keep aside 10,000 and make sure that it increments at what, 12%, 12% um, yeah. it goes to thirt- 1 crore in 30 years. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I, I, this, see, this is why I needed this episode. This gives me a new <laughs> perspective about, you don't, see, the thing, the block which I had in mind and which I'm sure many others have in mind is that, i don't i don't earn enough that i should be able to save so much that i can make 1 crore or any number of crores right we always feel that we are not earning enough to save whereas from this i feel that it it need not be a huge salary that you earn every month for you to be able to save enough to have like crores or something in your account
1: absolutely and uh, see the thing is that uh, th- that's the starting point and we always feel that no matter how much money we have that it's not enough for us to save right. that's because what what always uh, the way we always think of these things is that we spend money and whatever is left over we save right but the way that's supposed to be done is the opposite you you predetermine or you predefine an amount that you want to save every month you set that aside so if you're getting your salary on the 5th you want to make sure that that fixed amount gets out of your hand and goes to a place where you don't have control of it
0: right so that's that's a good place to start which is true because the way I have been see I've been um, a working professional from past 9 years almost um and the salary that I used to get when I was a fresher and the salary that I get right now it's it's many many times But I don't see that much of an increment that happens at the end of the month in terms of saving, right? If I, when I was a fresher, I used to think, oh, maybe if I get like 5000 more or 10,000 more, I can save all that money. And in like a year or two, I'll have so much uh, saved that I can buy whatever I want. But even so many years down the line, even though my salary is multiplied by many, uh, multiplied, let's just say multiplied many times. I don't feel any different. I still feel that I lack in terms of uh, financial freedom in certain areas. Right?
1: Absolutely. And and the reason that we feel that way is that as our income gets getting bumped up, we, we make these uh, subconscious decisions to improve our uh, standard of living. Yes. And when I say standard of living, it could be as simple as going to a more expensive restaurant, right? going out multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. And and these are things that really, really make a dent Right. In our pockets. And we don't really, we don't even really think about
0: it. Yeah, especially in cities, when, when we're living around with, in the society, right? We feel a lot of peer pressure where uh, someone goes and invests in a car. Then you feel that, oh, you know what? If I had a car, I have all these uh, things that I could do with it. Probably go on a weekend drive um, to my hometown and stuff like that. And uh, the person who was driving a motorcycle since till yesterday, where the maintenance and the cost of fuel and everything is low... Suddenly, you go and invest in a car thinking that that's going to improve your life like exponentially. Whereas, if I look at a city person like me, it doesn't make much difference. It's not going to take me to office any faster than a bike would probably a bike would reach my office faster than a car, right? But for the amount of money that I have to invest, it makes a big dent, then I end up paying the EMI for next five years or something like that. So, that cuts a significant portion. And am I making, is it improving my life to that level where I'm investing? That is a question to be asked, right? So that,
1: that's, a, that's a great point to start about, right? And especially with cars and luxury products, uh, what, what you need to keep in mind is that they're depreciating assets. Right. So if you bought something for 100 bucks, Mm -hmm. and if you're selling it, or if you need to sell it to somebody else at any price less than 100 rupees, so that's a depreciating asset. Mm -hmm. So we also need to keep thinking about how much of our money that we're putting it in depreciating assets versus how much of our money we're putting in assets that are growing. Right. And I stand corrected. It's not 10,000 rupees, it's 1300 rupees that you need to invest for 30 years, 1300 rupees. Yes. And it is 12,000 rupees if it's 15 years. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man so you're saying that uh, say let's say before i'm 50 i can make a crore easily absolutely right absolutely that's what you're saying yeah No and, doubt I, I, and i don't see a crore as a small amount of money because um it's it's not a small amount of money crore is a big amount of money right
1: it's a big amount of money but what what we also need to remember is that there's something called inflation mm-hmm. and inflation essentially means that products right. this year are more expensive than products last year so, so it's so important that we save because you also need to beat inflation by the time you become uh, a retired professional or whatever it is, right? right. Because what, what happens is that, uh, let's take a simple example of how much uh, 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 school fees was in 2000. Maybe if you're keeping it at 2000 rupees per month, mm-hmm. what cost now is anywhere between 4000 to 8000 rupees. Yes. And it's only going to go up. Same with a doctor consultation or something that we can all very quickly relate to is one liter of petrol, right? In 2000, it was 30 rupees. Mm -hmm. Today, it's somewhere around 80 rupees. And I don't even know in the future what my energy resources are going to be and how I'm going to spend it. And that is inflation. What essentially happens is that if you have money and that money is sitting in a bank account and it's giving you a three or four percent. In India's economy, uh, you know, we have inflation in India of about six percent. Six to eight percent is a good ballpark for inflation. And if your savings are returning you anything less than that, that means you're effectively losing money. Inflation adjustment, uh, post-inflation adjustment, you're losing money. Right. And so that's what we need to think about. But you're only going to get into those conversations only if you have something
0: getting saved up every month exactly because if i don't have anything saving then i don't i would never think about uh, you know what where should i invest and in all these kind of things right which i can very much relate to because um, nobody speaks about these things when you are just starting off or when when you're in college you everybody is focused on learning the trade tools of the trade and as i'm an electronics and communication engineer so i finished four years of engineering Even during engineering, although we have some other small courses and stuff, we don't, nobody ever teaches about personal finance. I've never seen a paper which is called personal finance and how do you take care of stuff like saving money and paying your taxes and stuff. Paying your taxes was something that I learned very, very late, which felt like such a tedious thing. But if you really understand that process, it's not that much of a big deal, right? But who's telling this to us? And even when I got a job, the, the only thing I used to think was, oh, you know what, I should have enough money to pay my bills uh take care of my food and take care of my transportation and at the end of the month if i ha- i don't have anything it's fine because the salary is going to come again right and it's the same cycle that pr- repeats but the danger mm-hmm. of that as i've seen and i've realized is you fall into the same cycle right as your salary grows um you'll be like oh you know what i can afford this tv i can buy a mac i can buy a buy one more mixer or a microphone or something like that i can start a podcast because i am i am making enough money now but then all of a sudden a family emergency or something goes wrong right that's when you are like if you're living paycheck to paycheck you are all of a sudden left with nothing and you're like figuring out how to live the next one month because all the thing that you have in your bank is gone your salary is gone your regular bills cannot be taken care of. and i i am someone who has gone through the same thing in the past that is when you realize that oh how do i even having a high paying job is not enough Absolutely. You should you should really start building your own finance where you're not depending on the salary every month, right?
1: Absolutely. I think uh, the the way I would break it down is that uh, I, the last the last place I heard about taxes before I uh, before I did whatever course I did was that it was in ninth or tenth grade where they taught us how income tax slabs worked. I think after that, like irrespective of whether you did commerce or whether you did engineering, no one ever taught us what personal finance is, and a lot of this personal finance. <clears throat> you know, in, in in the past used to come from parents or our fathers or our, 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 our relatives and stuff like that, right? But now, we are now living more nuclear lives, we're we are living more separated from each other. And so those messages flowing down are also different. And the second thing that's happening is that the world of finance also is changing very rapidly in, uh, you know, just keeping up with the pace of the way our world is changing. And what I mean by that is that India historically... We've always loved our fixed deposits.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's a it's a traditional thing now. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: and and the best part is that it's it gives you that safe uh, feeling. There's a post office deposit, savings deposit, or just leave it in an uh, SB account. Or uh, most people do an RD, right? <clears throat> and a lot of working professionals who I know also love their PF. Mm. They love their PF because yeah uh, it's uh, it's a hassle free investment right? right because they're in uh, their employer deducts the amount exactly the uh, also pf is the equivalent of a 401k in india right so uh, the, the employer deducts the amount and after when they retire they get the money exactly and and most people try, tend to take this traditional route but the problem is that over the last 10 years pf interest rates have only reduced mm-hmm. right and inflation has been the same or it's more so it's going in the opposite direction exactly fact, right? and in the past 40 50 whatever years it made sense to invest in pf because it was giving you inflation beating returns yes and that is no longer the case and that kind of returns you are only going to get now if you are able to spend mark or spend money in the stock market right and this is where also a lot of these uh, a lot of misinformation also gets spread right because the the first time someone comes to know that you are uh, you're making a little bit of money and you're uh, and you're saving or whatever the uh the narrative that we get from our friends is that oh i made 50000 in stock market i made 20000 in stock market the the sad part is that nobody is ever going to tell you how much they lost exactly they are only going to be telling you how much they made
0: mm-hmm.
1: right <clears throat> which is where all these half baked advices become uh, very dangerous right so how how would you how would you do it how, so uh, how would how you could go about doing that is first you spoke about hand to mouth, Mm -hmm. living hand to mouth, right? The the first step to improving our financial health is to take a stark look at where your money is coming from, and where your money is going. Mm -hmm. And if you're saving anywhere between 30% and higher of whatever money is coming in, that is a great place to be. And so what does this mean? This means if your salary is 100 bucks, and if you're spending 70 bucks, that means 30 bucks is your savings. So 30 upon 100 is 30%. That is what you're able to keep aside every month. <coughs> Essentially, that is a good place to start. But I'll tell you what happens in most cases, and including unfortunately me, is that we all live in an EMI lifestyle. Yes. And the uh, there's a lot of uh, consumerism that is being pushed on us by organizations and large companies, whose only goal in life is to do two things. One is to improve the number of times we visit their website. Second is to increase the amount of things we buy whenever we visit their website. Exactly. And what they do it, uh, what they do when we do visit the website is they try to reduce the barriers that prevent us from making a wishful purchase. And what this means is that I may have looked at a really beautiful uh, MSI gaming laptop worth Mm -hmm. a lakh and a half, Mm -hmm. which I know for sure I cannot afford. Right. But the way that they're going to package it and show it to me is that, hey, you have a dash dash bank credit card. We will give you interest free for the next twenty four months. All you need to pay is two thousand rupees, four thousand rupees, and suddenly, a amount that is one lakh fifty thousand versus four thousand rupees per month. Our brain gets kind of short-circuited into thinking that, oh, 4,000 rupees is nothing. Yeah, let's let's buy it and we'll take care of it. And that's the same business models that all of these organizations have, right? You can rent a bike, you can rent a car, you can rent a t-shirt also now. Exactly. But the problem is that the economics doesn't work and people don't realize it. They don't realize it because it doesn't go out of their pocket at once. They don't feel the pinch. Exactly. And in the past, what used to happen was there was a lot of cash transactions and people are always hesitant to give cash to the other person. Right. Now what is happening is because all these spends happen on cards, you don't even realize that you're spending money and that's where the problem is.
0: I completely get this. So I, as as you're speaking, right, I'm kind of uh, getting to understand what my problems are with personal finance and why I'm getting into this rut of doing the same thing again and again, right? At the first point you mentioned, they have removed the difficult, or rather, they have made the process of buying something so smooth that I don't feel that it's making a big dent in my finances. Let's say if I am buying, let's say I, I I have a laptop, I think of upgrading. I'm like um, looking at a MacBook Pro or an iMac. It's one lakh fifty thousand to two lakhs, uh, which is probably beyond my budget. If I'm paying at once, I'll probably sit and think for a week or two weeks if I have to do that. But when it comes down to EMI model, right, I just have to shell out maybe 5 to 10k a month. 5 to 10k is something probably I can afford. And I don't feel like, oh, over two-year period of time, if I'm paying like 10k, what kind of difference does it, does it make to my finance? Because every month, I'll still have surplus enough to spend for my month, right? So that keeps pulling me into that. And I end up spending a lot of... So multiple EMIs at once. Like someone, someone buys a car, then he buys a house, then he buys this, then he buys that. So that keeps happening... Uh, so, I get that point. It's it's very true. They have made it so simple, uh, for us to go and get into this EMI model all the time, right? Yeah.
1: So that is something. That's an external factor that's right. affecting us, and and now you, you connect it back to our savings part where we started. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that you mentioned that if I look at a computer and I say that four thousand rupees per month is not that much of a problem, I can pay my EMI. But if I tell you, start a mutual fund SIP for 4,000 rupees, you're going to think a hundred times.
0: I have done that because I'm sure one of my friend, um, he if he listens to this episode, he'll be extremely happy. Because from past two years, he's been trying to make me understand about this. It might be my, uh, maybe I'm not informed enough or my arrogance or whatever it is. I've always thought, oh... If I, I have to put 5k into that or 10k into that, seriously, dude. And what is it even giving me after I have to wait for years to get that money back? And it doesn't even make a difference. I would rather use that money for something else or I'll just put it in my bank bank account. I'll see like, oh, there are these many lakhs in my account and I feel happy about it. That's what the mindset is currently. So even when he says in uh, put that money in SIP, I feel like it's an expense from my side. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And we, but we don't feel it the other side when we're spending it because right. that's how smooth the process is. So the first step to, uh, you know, improving your financial health is being aware to the fact that we are being conned. Right. Uh, we are being conned in the sense we're being oversold, we're being over commercialized and we're
0: being forced to consume. And I think there is this factor of instant gratification also, right? Absolutely. So when I'm paying... The first EMI for my laptop, I get that thing in my hand. I'm like, I'm already using it. So I don't mind paying for it. So it's the same with thing with a car. I already start using the car. So I don't feel the pain of paying that 4,000 or 10,000 a month. Whereas in co- case of an SIP or mutual fund, something like that, I'm paying the 4,000, but I'm not seeing the result. So that is making me very skeptical about investing in something like that.
1: Absolutely. And what, uh, what the, the concept that you're trying to, uh, that you're going to touch upon on this is that is that of delayed gratification. Right. And scientists have typically found that if you've done a study with a bunch of kids... The ones who have been able to successfully delay their gratification have long-term, more successful lives and careers than the ones who have given in to instant gratification. Right. And in the world that we live in, it's for no fault of ours. We're, we are being uh, you know, bred and groomed into a life of instant gratification. Mm-hmm. I, I get a like on Instagram, dopamine hit. Yep. I get a like on Facebook, dopamine hit. The same way I, I get my laptop, dopamine hit. The The problem is that if I make an investment or if i make a savings there's nothing for me to show off or talk about
0: exactly so
1: i at some level savings is is on a on the sidelines because i lose social relevance
0: exactly i think this is also similar to the way uh, you take care of your health right now just before we started the episode we just had two pieces of donuts so that is something that gives us instant gratification that that amazing sugary taste but on the other hand if you want to get your body in shape that's not something that happens in a day. So if I take uh, if I do like 100 push-ups, I'm not gonna have a six pack. I have to consistently work across 30 days to 60 days or maybe even 120 days, like three months or something. But the change happens gradually. Correct. So that is one thing that mo- prevents most of us to even start working out because we know that it's it's <coughs> gonna be an uphill task. The results are not gonna show off enough. But on the other hand, feeling gra- gratified about eating a donut—it's so instant that yeah. it's more easier for you to go and grab two donuts than do like hundred pushups for next thirty days, right?
1: Yeah, and and that is that is the shift in the mindset that we need to have in uh, for our personal finances to shift the mindset is that you need to start looking at things long term you need to start understanding things long term so let me tell you a couple more numbers right so assume that you started a sip of 10000 rupees mm-hmm. in 1996 mm-hmm. okay and at the same time you also started doing an rd or a uh, you know a public provident fund of 10000 rupees right. 20 years ago mm-hmm. the value of the ppf investment as on 2016 1996 to 2016 would have been 63.1 lakh okay and you would have invested 24 lakhs okay isn't that a good return that's three times return right right <clears throat> that's what it is but for the principal investment of 24 lakhs do you know how much it would have been if you had invested it in an in a mutual fund that invests in equity what is the number just take a wild
0: guess I'm sure it will be more than this. Um, I'd guess, let's say, something around um, between 75 to 80 lakhs. It is
1: 1.8 crores. <laughs> that's, again,
0: more than double of what I guessed.
1: Yeah, so that is the power of compounding, right? right. And nobody nobody ever tells you these things because mm-hmm. it's not a glamorous thing. Yeah. And for for you to listen to a glamorous thing also, maybe a 45 or a 50-year-old is going to tell you and you'll be like, exactly, who's going to listen exactly. to this
0: uncle? Right, that's true.
1: And that is why these numbers are so important and that compounding is so important mm-hmm. and that thinking <coughs> long term is so important, right? So that is that is the first part where, uh, you know, you start making an effort towards saving. Right? right. So that is the first part. So what I would encourage people to do, and this is, uh, uh, I had this rude uh, awakening after three and a half years of working and not having a penny in my savings, mm-hmm. was that <clears throat> I need to start saving money. As soon as my paycheck hits. Right. Traditionally, I've been thinking about it as I will
0: spend whatever I need to spend. If there is anything left, I will save. That is exactly (laughs) how even I started. And I'm sure that many people start the same way.
1: Right. So we need to flip that model. So if I'm getting 100 rupees on the third of a month, Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 rupees is out of my reach by the fifth. Right. And that is the most effective way for us to save.
0: Okay. So you make sure that your money goes into a place where you don't have access to it immediately. Correct. So that you end up spending whatever is remaining after the savings. Correct. Right.
1: And the next thing is that you need to have a very solid plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Plan in terms of, see, your as your days pass, it will be fairly predictable for you to say that how will your one month, two month, three months, how will it pan out? Where will you go traveling, what vacations you're going to go, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever does that planning and says, my income is a lakh of rupees. My expenditure is only 50. So by the end of the third month, I need to have saved one and a half lakhs. Right? Nobody does that. Mm -hmm. the reason nobody does that is because we are burdened and we always overstretch our spending ability right we stay in a house that is more
0: expensive than required absolutely
1: we we buy stuff that is more expensive than required we use a car that is more expensive (laughs) than required
0: i can i can um um you know i can attest to all the things that you're saying and it uh, that's why this this episode is probably gonna be one of the episodes of writer and geek which is gonna be impacting me personally um, because there have been people who have been trying to explain this to me many times. I know the facts also, but somewhere very recently is when I started thinking about this seriously and started putting effort into it. As you said, and I want this to be a message to everybody who thinks that satisfying the society's need is greater than your own, uh, taking care of your finance and your other stuff, right? I have seen many people. Uh, let me take example of, uh, I come from Kerala, right? Um, and Kerala is very well known for its weddings, right? Weddings are like this grand, superb functions where people come and, you know, people spend in lakhs for gold and stuff like that. And a typical scenario in a house uh, is something like this, where you have a girl child. She's grown up and they look out for a guy for her and they decide on the marriage and all that stuff. From the time (coughs) the the, the kid is born, dad's duty is to make enough money to make sure that the wedding will be grand. And you are being judged upon that. And what happens is they end up spending all the money that they have and they'll take a lot of loan and stuff like that to just to show off and keep like 500 people happy for one single day, right? That is their thing. That is their goal. And I know personally, a few of my friends who have sisters and who have gone through painful times and they have spoken to me about it recently. One of my friend's sister got married and he went into such financial instability and he's still in so much debt that... It's the debt is compounding on him, right? The way you said compounding, it becomes one crore. Every month that thing is increasing, there is no way out. So my point is, as you said, buying expensive things than you need. Um, staying in a bigger house just to showcase some people that, oh, this guy is doing great because he has a big house. Oh, you can do with a hatchback, but no, you want either a, a you know SUV or a sedan or something to just show that I'm capable of doing this. And this EMI facility and everything is made so easy that you cannot judge a person's income by looking at the things that he owns because anyone can buy anything. So before we move forward, I just want to make this a point um, is that do things for yourself rather than trying to satisfy someone else right yep. because when your finance goes down none of these other people are going to come and extend a hand and say that you know what you spend this 10000 extra to make me happy right you keep it back that yep. never happens so i think it's a wake up call for everybody you should start thinking more about what makes you happy and what is the what are the things that are enough in your life right you don't have to over invest in stuff if a, if a two-bedroom house can take care of your stuff, you don't need to go for the third-bedroom house, which makes a, fina- a you know big dent in your finance. Right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And uh, another part of uh, the EMI culture is the uh, ease of availability of credit cards. So I want to talk about credit cards because uh, a lot of youngsters get into something called as credit card debt. And uh, credit card debt is a very dangerous thing because uh, you can never get out of it.
0: I, I was in a debt uh, offer. <coughs> my credit card once, this is few years uh, back when I was even more dumb. Um, my credit card debt, it was overflowing. Like every month it used to increase because I was not able to pay it back. But then uh, through some careful planning and stuff, I ended up paying back and I ended up destroying that uh, that credit card saying that, you know what, whatever happens going forward, I don't want a credit card.
1: That's an extreme case, right? And it happens with most people. The reason again is that you don't get the feeling that you're spending money. And especially, you don't get the feeling that when you're spending money, when you have all nice things surrounding you, but and you're spending it with money that you don't have, right? So my inputs with regard to usage of credit cards are as follows. Always pay your entire credit card due in the subsequent month. So what this means is that, If there is a billing cycle of first of the month to 31st, whatever you use in uh, whatever you spend in the first or the 31st, it will be due by the 15th of the next month. The due amount, you need to pay the entire due amount by the 15th of the next month. How you can use the credit card facility is to give yourself that 15, 20, 30 days of leeway. Now, let's take an example of you being in the uh, fourth of the month. And on the 4th of the month, you want to purchase a mixer or you want to purchase some utensils or whatever. And so instead of spending it from your own pocket, what you can do is you can use the credit card and that credit card bill is only payable by the next month 15th. So you get the 20-30 days of uh, interest-free period and that is the only time that you have. As soon as the 15th comes... On the 31st, they would have raised a bill in your name and they would have emailed it to you or they would have posted it to you. So make sure you look at it, understand what is the total outstanding and pay it, pay it before the due date.
0: Right. So all that a credit card is making, uh, is helping is in a way for you to spend the money you don't have when you are sure that that money is going to come back and you are going to pay it later. Absolutely. Right. It should not be like, I don't have (laughs) any clue about whether money is coming or not, let me just use it. Absolutely. It's, it's about you want something today urgently, you don't have the money, but you know in five days you're going to have that money. Correct. So let me use a credit card because once the money comes in five days, I'll just go and pay it back. Correct. And the other reason
1: that uh, people should use credit cards is because they come with a lot of benefits. What kind of benefits? They come with loyalty points. They come with free restaurant lunches. They come with airport lounge access. All of these things are <coughs> extremely good value adds. Mm-hmm. And they're extremely good value adds only if you use the credit card right. Exactly. Because the moment that you do not use the credit card correctly, and if you are not paying your due on, on the due date or before the due date, they will start charging you obscene amounts of interest. Right. And because of those obscene amounts of interest, you will never be able to repay it back. Mm-hmm. There are people that I work with where I have recommended to them to take, go to a bank and take a personal
0: loan mm-hmm.
1: and repay the entire credit card amount.
0: Right, Because the personal <coughs> amount interest is much less than what credit card uh, exactly. forces upon you, right?
1: Credit card interests are anywhere between 25 to 40% Whoa. per year. Mm-hmm. Personal loan interest can be as low as 12, 13 or 14%. Right, And that is the problem with <coughs> that interest that is compounding on mm-hmm. it. So for, for people who have a stable income stream and predictable expenses, so I would recommend a credit card to them. Yeah. But the credit card comes with a caveat that they need to be able to pay the entire amount that is due right. by the due date. Right. Assuming that they won't be able to pay the entire amount that is due, some credit cards give you the option to convert a particular transaction into an EMI. Yeah. That you can use that as a last resort. Okay. And credit cards are also a lot more safer in terms of the security and the chip and all yes, of that yes, stuff yes. and international usage and stuff yeah. as compared to your debit cards. That's right. So these are the these are the benefits that credit cards give us. But you can only use those benefits if you are able to uh, apply the credit card in a judicious manner.
0: Yeah, but is, that's <laughs> rude. that's right, right? The, uh, I think where the mistake happens is that people start looking at credit card as a thing which you can use when you don't have money. Or when you are not capable enough of pay, uh, like you're, you're financially so low in your financial status that you can depend on a credit card to go go ahead and buy expensive stuff, right? If I want, if I'm a fresher, I got my job like three months back and I want to have an iPhone 10. What is the most easiest way to do just get a credit card? (laughs) Which banks will happily offer offer you when you're uh, starting an account with them. They'll be like, oh, you work for so-and-so company. We are offering you this credit card. And with this comes um, no-cost EMI on Amazon. So you can afford anything that you want. Like you buy an Apple iPhone. You don't have to pay down payment. You don't have to pay interest. But you pay the EMI. And that guy basically thinks that, oh, you know what? I can flaunt my iPhone. And for that, I need an uh, need a credit card. But when it comes to the payment part right that's when he probably realized that he's probably bitten off for too much Um, yeah yeah
1: so that's on the credit card front and the other thing that uh, that i wanted to touch upon was loans in general right (coughs) a lot of people get loans as well as property inherited from their parents right so as young professionals who are starting off work the recommendation is that before you start saving Always clear your loans first mm-hmm. and that is the same reason for that of the compound interest right because in in the past money was not as accessible as it is today True. So a lot of family or uh, you know personal loans would be from money lenders or individual people and these people again charge exorbitant interest rates and so if if you're ever feeling stuck about your finances and don't know where to start, A good indicator of where to start is the one with the highest amount of interest. Right. So you always start chipping off at the ones with the highest amount of interest. And a good place to start to restructure that is to see how much of your loans are with proper financial institutions versus people. Mm -hmm. Because when you take a loan from a financial institution, it is not that you, you can repay them whenever you want. Right. If I take a 100 rupees loan from a bank, mm-hmm. they will say that from next month you have to pay 6 rupees and pay it for these many months, it will get closed. There is an amount of predictability and structure that comes there. And these banks are governed by the Reserve Bank of India's norms for how much interest they can charge per person. Right, the, That is the same thing where if you are borrowing it from a money lender or from a pawnbroker or from any third party… There are no norms or guiding principles for them. Uh-huh. They are only trying to maximize their money. Exactly. So, if you're in a financial situation where you don't know where to start, a good place to start would be the amount of the highest interest rate uh-huh. and one which is non-institutional, non-bank related. Right. So, always repay the people, their relatives and all their uncle-aunties first and then go to the banks. Right. An alternative for people who have... Uh, good or stable jobs is also to take a personal loan to repay the loan from a person or a uh, or a individual, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, the interest rate being charged by these individuals or money lenders will be extremely high as compared to the bank.
0: Right, because and there is no regulations on, the, on that.
1: There's no regulations and there is no predictability as to when you're going to repay it. So the money that you would have borrowed from these people will just keep festering and gathering interest. Whereas, if you're able to take the same loan taken over by a bank, the thing that is going to happen to you is that you'll have predictability in terms of, okay, it's a four-year personal loan. It's a 20-year housing loan. So, you know that over a period of time, the burden goes away. Right. And that is a very crucial aspect. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is that a lot of of people are able to take the assets that come with their parents or their property, but they don't uh, think about the liabilities. Right. And this is how they need to think about the liabilities. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know what is the interest rate, if they don't know how much they are supposed to pay, that is a good time for them to sit and have a difficult conversation with their family members and understand how their financial situation is. Mm -hmm. And after that, that has been understood, you can now start putting the paperwork in place and you can now start solving it. Nobody likes talking about finance because it's like going to a doctor. He's going to tell you something you're not going to like. Right. But in the long run, it is good for you. And that's what we need
0: to remember. Exactly. I think it's more about a shift in mindset for people uh, to understand more about. It's not that you cannot do it. It's just that you don't want to do it because you don't want to have those difficult conversations. Right. Um, So talking about the mindset part right um just want to um, get some you know um, inputs or probably your opinions about few things that we see in society and probably some things which can probably improve our life um off late i've been hearing a lot about uh, things like minimalism where people are very uh, aware of what they buy and what they like like spending and all that right if if i have two three different options of doing the same thing and one of them is very cheap and the other is very expensive. How much of a value add does it really, um, give me back in terms of, um, you know, usability or whatever it is when I pay that extra, say, $100? So those kind of things, right? Now, what I want to know is when you think about purchasing something which is a substantial thing, which is, which, which will make a substantial impact on your finances. What is your thought process like? Um, what do you how, do? You take time to think about it, or are you a person who is like, let me just spend it because I know if I think too much, I'm not going to do it.
1: So the first thing is that uh, I I I will spend time researching about what it whatever it is that I'm going to buy, right? And <clears throat> the second thing is that I'm all I'm also going to be uh, very swayed by all these offers and discounts and all that. So if I want to buy something. I'll also think about, am I close to a Dasara or a Diwali or a New Year or something, where I can get some offers out of it. Mm-hmm. That is so that I can Correct. maximize my return on investment. The second thing that I'm going to see is that, now, are there alternative websites where you can uh, purchase the same products? Mm-hmm. For example, for White Goods, there's, there's a website where you can get it for lower than Amazon or Flipkart. Right. So, similarly, are there reliable websites where I can do this? Mm-hmm. Right. That is the second part. The third part is that… Uh, while while I'm trying to uh, ascribe to the notion of minimalism, I, I'm also trying to see how I can uh, how I can uh, take a balanced approach in terms of, uh, you know, out of four things, I may have gone with the cheapest or the one that provides me the most value. But the fifth thing, I may just splurge. Right. So I, I kind of try to keep a balance between the so two because doing a drastic shift to any particular way that we are not used to. Is something that will have like a you know strong reflex is what i believe. Yeah
0: so the way you're saying is uh, you kind of save on the few of the things so you don't feel guilty about spending on something else because you have already done taken care of your uh, savings part which is also something that my friend used to tell me like when you save money enough for the month whatever remains is something that you can then spend because you know that you have already taken care of the savings part right so Absolutely. That, yeah so that's all that's also kind of mindset which you just spoke about earlier where by the 5th of the month if you have saved right then you spend whatever is remaining so yeah. that that i think it's it's something like even again going back to the same um, you know workout and health thing if you don't eat for let's say first 9 hours of the day then you cannot probably cross your calorie deficit in next 9 hours that's what intermittent fasting and all those kind of things do so looking at it in the same uh, uh, in the same scope um if you save enough, then whatever is left is sp- uh, spending, which is what I've been practicing from past some time. And it, it, trust me, it has made a big difference in, and shift in my mindset where earlier I used to feel guilty after buying something. I'll be like, oh, sh- you know what? I should have not probably bought that because if I had that <clears throat> money, I could have probably done something else. And is this really adding a value? Maybe it's a. I bought a cycle once like I I wanted the best I bought it, I, uh, you know, I was writing it for like a month. Then it went back to the garage and I had to sell it off because I was not using it at all. But now I might not feel as guilty because I know that I've done the savings for my month and I know how much I need to save. Then whatever remains is like, okay, this is a money which I can use for my all guilty pleasure and stuff like that, right?
1: Absolutely. Then uh, the other thing that's important uh, uh, for us to remember is that uh, the amount of savings that we'll need to have should be equal to six months of your fixed cost. Right. Fixed cost means food, clothing, shelter, mm-hmm. electricity, rent. Right. Right. So, if if we are able to survive for six months after losing our job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that's that's another good indicator of financial health. Okay. Do you have six months worth of buffer? Right. Now, so now we have spoken about credit cards. We've spoken about loans. We've spoken about buffer. The uh, one the other point that is very important to think about is also. Are you making any returns on the investments that you've mm-hmm, made? Mm-hmm. Because they're all part of the same equation, right? It is not just that I am earning hundred rupees; I'm saving the ten rupees. We also need to think about how is that ten rupees going and becoming hundred rupees, mm-hmm. two hundred rupees, or three hundred rupees, and that is another crucial aspect where people miss out. Right. So we speak a lot about these mutual funds and SIPs and all of that, right? So let's get get into a little bit of that. Yeah. So uh, what is your understanding of mutual funds?
0: Uh, okay, um, mutual fund, I feel is something like, okay, now there is this uh, direct stock investment that happens into company shares, right? Correct. Companies uh, release their shares and people buy shares and they own a part of that share and company does good, your share value goes up and stuff like that. So I feel mutual fund is uh, like, instead of directly putting into those companies, right, there's a a mediator that comes in between and um, it allocates the shares uh, where you are most, it's, it's more of a safer investment kind of a thing where, um, you put half of your money into companies that are high risk and high uh, returns and other half goes into companies that are low return but are very safe and stable, right? So that kind of a thing where you a part of your uh, savings go, goes into that periodically, right? Uh, which accumulates and compounds over a year and maybe many years down the line, you it, it, it fetches you a lot of returns. That's my basic understanding. I don't know the technicalities at all.
1: Absolutely. I think your basic understanding is totally on point. Mm-hmm. The other things that you can also remember is that shares also invest in uh, mutual funds also have exposure for debt on companies books. Mm-hmm. So you can also think of it as like a mutual fund uh, fixed deposit equivalent. Right. So... Uh, while mutual funds make investments in the uh, uh, shares of a particular company, they also make investments in the debt of a particular company. Okay. So essentially, what happens is that a company, instead of going and borrowing money from a bank, it will go and borrow money from public. Okay. And these, uh, these mutual funds typically give you better return on your investment than a fixed deposit. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, a fixed deposit is always liable to tax deduction at source right. of 10%. Right. The dividend that you get from a mutual fund does not have to be tax-deducted at source, so your liquidity is better. Your return that you get is better. So, with regard to mutual funds, there are both equity mutual funds which invest in company shares, mm-hmm. and there are debt mutual funds which invest in comp- which give debt to the company. Right. So, and in each of these things, there is a qualified person who takes a cut of the amount that he makes for you as the investment manager. The key thing that we need to remember about mutual funds is that if you're making investments in the stock market that stock markets are fluctuating on a consistent basis so <clears throat> SIPs are something that really work because you're taking the benefit of averaging mm-hmm. you don't care whether the stock market is high or it is low or in the middle or you don't you don't even have to worry about whether you have the technical knowledge to figure out is the stock market high middle or low right correct what you're going to be doing is at a fixed point of every month, you'll be scooping out a portion of units from the stock market. Mm -hmm. And so that way, regardless of whether uh, the stock market is doing well or it's doing bad, that you'll get a fixed return. Right. But what is important with regard to mutual funds is that you're able to understand how your portfolio is doing Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis. For example, it could be that you're in a period where the stock market is undergoing a downturn. Right. So that means that your your mutual fund investment also would have gone down, mm-hmm. but you should not look at it just for that six months and say that my mutual fund has not done well, right? You need to compare it with similar mutual funds in the other uh, uh, done by other companies and see have they lost equal amount of value as well, or if they have lost lesser amount of value, and you need to stay through the entire market cycle where shares go down and as well as they come up and again mm-hmm. come down and they go up, right? So. The period in which you are looking at it, your portfolio is also very important. Right. So if you're setting aside 5, 10, 15, whatever amount of money, mm-hmm. your mutual fund provider will be sending you an email statement. Right. It is always a good idea to run through that email yep. and understand <coughs> what is happening with your, with your mutual fund. Mm-hmm. That is one part. The last part that I want to touch about in terms of personal finances. Insurance. Right. Nobody talks about insurance. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about insurance because it's, again, it's a difficult conversation to have. Right. And nobody likes talking about death. Death, yeah. And a lot of us would have heard of LIC.
0: Mm.
1: But the sad truth is that LIC does not give you the returns that you expect. Right. So a better way to spend that money that you would be putting in LIC would be to put, invest some amount of money in a mutual fund and get something that's called as a term insurance. Term insurance yeah. So what term insurance is, is that you take insurance for a particular year where in case of your death or dismemberment, your family members or your nominees get a fixed amount. Now your next question will be, how much is a fixed amount I need to take as term insurance? The fixed amount you need to take as term insurance is 10 times your annual income. So if your annual income is 10 lakh rupees, your term insurance should be of 1 crore. The objective of getting term insurance is that in case of the death of the breadwinner of the family, the family can still continue to retain their standard of living. That is the concept of term insurance. Everyone asks, oh, so I spend this much on term insurance, will I get anything back? No, you don't get anything back. That is the first thing. The next thing is that of health insurance. Health insurance... We need to be on the lookout for health insurance because we. you spoke about an emergency in the family, right? You need to make sure that you as well as all of your family members are covered with health insurance. That is because if you're getting a health insurance, it will come with a cap of whatever amount that you choose. And what you can also need to make sure is that whatever existing medical uh, ailments that you have, that you disclose it to your insurance organization, Because if you do not disclose and later they find out, your claims are not going to be processed. Mm -hmm. So, term insurance is something that needs to be there for everyone who is working and health insurance for everyone in the family. Right. So, what happens is that you're effectively safeguarding your financials as well as yourself from a lot of trauma and a lot of uh, hardship. That's right. Because you know, if someone dies, there is a backup. Yeah. Obviously, the emotional part, the physical part, nobody can replace, right? Right. But… We also need to see how we can protect ourselves. And we can protect ourselves with these insurance plans.
0: Yeah, so I have had this uh, conversation about term insurance and LICs with many of my friends. And some of them who come from, who have probably heard it from their fan, you know, parents and stuff. Uh, LIC has been there since years, right? And they firmly believe that LIC is the way to go. Because the money that you're putting in is coming back after some time, right? Yeah. And nobody thinks that, oh, what if I die? Because... LIC is looked at more as an investment it's not looked at as a life insurance where if the person dies you live with whatever comes back from the insurance right Right. and when I tell them about term insurance uh, first thing they ask is as you said what will I get back after because term insurance you're paying like let's say 15 or 10 or 15k every year. And since you are putting so much money into that, how much will I get back at the end of, uh, you know, is there a maturity period and all that. So there is nothing like that. You just spend the money, it's gone. Now, um, the mindset that people have is since I'm not getting it back, it's of no good. It will be good only when something really happens to you. Uh, yeah, that's a sad conversation to have because I had a difficult conversation with to my with my family when I was trying to convince, uh, saying that, you know what, I'm going to go for a term insurance. And that will give me greater returns like a crore or 75 lakhs of crore or one and a half crores for the amount that I'm putting. Then the next conversation is like, why do you even think about some such things where, you know, after yeah. you're if you are not there, then what is the money good for? Which seems to be, it's a very emotionally driven statement, but when it comes to practicality, right, that is the only thing that will take care of you. Because once the breadwinner of the family is gone, how are you going to sustain? Absolutely. And just because you're dead doesn't mean that you don't take care of your family. So, yeah, um, I I hope that everybody understands the importance of term insurance because… You have an LIC, that's fine. You want to invest in LIC, please do it. But in addition to that, please, you, you should also get a term insurance Absolutely. all the time. And health insurance is an Absolutely. absolute necessity because I have gone through the tough uh, time few years back when one of my family member had, um, you know, some major issues and then we had to go through a really tough time because the health insurance was not in place. That was a time when it opened my eyes and I got everybody else insured in my house to make sure that if something goes wrong, there is something that takes care of it. Because irrespective of how much money you have in your bank, when there is a health emergency, right, you have no control over how things are. Right yeah. right? It's it's very expensive these days, especially in India. For everyday, there is an everyday expense for staying in hospital. Then, if there is some complicated procedure involved, you're done, done, right? Yeah. So that will push you into debt, a lot of debt. So it's better to have a health insurance covering every single person. And when you think about when you're when you're thinking about insurance, right? It's okay to invest. It's okay to get a very good whatever package or whatever you call it. And don't be don't think too much about, oh, I'm putting so much money into this. Because in time of need, those are the things that will help. So rather than probably spending that on something else, it would be wise enough to spend into these kind of insurance policies. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I would encourage people to think about term insurance the way they think about vehicle insurance. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever asks you, how much return are you going to get exactly. on your vehicle insurance? There's no in- returns <clears> at all. It's the same thing. If something happens to your vehicle... They fix it and they give it to you. Yeah, Health insurance is the vehicle insurance for your body. Correct. It's as simple as that. But our term insurance is the uh, is the same thing. And yeah, you it, don't get anything it, in return.
0: All this boils <laughs> down to um, the the mindset of people, right? Because it again goes back to the same thing. It's about the instant gratification. So when I'm paying for something, I would like to feel it. I yeah. like to hold it in my hands, or I'd like to see it through my eyes. And all the things that we we talked about, like personal finance, savings, and mutual funds, and health insurance and term insurance, all these are the things which are not visible right now. Which will be visible at a time when you really need it. Which even if you try to tell someone about it, there it's very hard to make them hard to convince them because you cannot give a person the the advantages of a term insurance and say hey hold it in your hands and feel how uh, see how it feels because once you're dead this is what will happen to your family and you're not going to live to see that or you cannot tell a person about uh, mutual funds and say hey th- uh, let's say 20 years down the line this is what it's going to happen and which was a problem with me as well and probably i hope that this this conversation that we had will change my mindset a little more i have learned a lot in past couple <coughs> few years but there is a lot more for me to get in shape because I am nowhere close to a place where I will feel I feel safe that, you know what, my personal finance is going good or where I feel confident enough uh, that, you know, oh, you know what, I don't care about recession or whatever comes, even if I'm laid off, I'm fine for next few months. So I need to reach <coughs> a place, as you mentioned, where I have these milestones or rather goals where which I can measure and say that, oh, I'm fine for this much time, right? So yeah, I think this conversation should definitely help me and few others also who are in the audience i'm sure that many people are like me absolutely
1: and uh, i think uh, uh, it's a very important conversation to have and one uh, that only keeps getting complicated as we grow up right because as we grow up we get married there's Mm -hmm. additional responsibilities we have kids there's additional responsibilities but if you're thinking about everything on these parameters and you're planning it and you're looking at risk and you're trying to minimize your risk, you'll know that as soon as you have your kid, okay, get them tested, health insurance, vehicle, vehicle insurance. You're earning money, you get term insurance. Yeah. So and that's how you start thinking of of and planning is to make sure that the repercussions of what happened to you don't rub off on the people around us. Exactly.
0: And and that is so important. Correct i ca i can I can understand this because there are times when I felt very depressed and angry at someone else because whatever happened in their life has you know rippled across the across the entire family and which has put myself and some other members of the family into deep trouble right. So, you end up start, almost hating them for what happened to them, which is, which is a normal human mentality, I think. So, when such things happen, you should start looking into yourself and making sure that, okay, because of you, someone else should not be uh, in trouble later on.
1: Absolutely. Right? And, uh, and the last part, and we can keep talking about this over and <laughs> no, over, but yeah. I think the last part I just wanted to emphasize on is that also think about a side hustle. Think about something else that you can do that can earn you money. Right, but that is not in violation of your employment agreement. Exactly. So, if you're going to do something new, if you're going to do something different, always have a conversation about it with your yeah, boss. Yeah, I and think say, I think
0: it's it's better to take uh, uh you know have a conversation and get it cleared before even you jump into it uh, so that you don't have any issues later on. Because absolutely, being transparent is the best thing, best policy, right? And this was a point I wanted to probably uh, wind up this discussion on as well. So um we all have our day jobs doesn't mean that you should not be doing something else to get some income from the other side as well so as much as possible it's better to diversify find see we both do podcast probably at this stage we are not in a place to say that oh you know what this is going to be a substantial income coming in we might reach there or might not i don't know it depends on many factors but i i really hope that we do but again having a side hustle will keep you uh will will keep you looking for more avenues to get more into your uh, you know your your finance um you don't need to just depend on one single uh path for that and let's say tomorrow um you know uh, i hope it doesn't happen but if we just lose our job which is not under our control at all yeah. right your employer says you don't need to come from tomorrow if you have a side income maybe not as much as what you have it's always an additional uh, stuff right and you can probably Whatever you get from the side income can com- completely go into savings also. So that is just just an add-on. So everybody, we don't need to get stuck with our day, day jobs as such, as long as they don't have an issue with it.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Cool. So the, I think, uh, do you have any other points which you think we can close upon?
1: Uh, the uh, only other point that I wanted to, uh, wanted to talk about was uh, taxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, how uh, there are, uh, uh, you know, there are tax saving in investment options that are available for us. So uh, for people who are interested and who are listening to the podcast in India, I would encourage you to Google ATC deductions, which is eighty the number and C, right. C for uh, Charminar.
0: Mm. And
1: uh, Google that and see what kind of deductions are available for you. And... Also, uh, always be on the lookout. Always be uh, skeptical about people who are selling you stuff or be skeptical about ones who are offering you investment advice. The, uh, the best uh, person to decide on your investments is you. Or if you get a financial advisor, that is great. But what happens is in most cases, there are conflicts of interest. Where if I'm an LIC agent, I'm only going to sell you LIC. I'm not going to sell you anything else. And it's the same thing with mutual fund distributors as well. If I'm uh, selling you Aditya Birla mutual fund, there could be another XYZ mutual fund that's giving a better return. I'm not going to talk to you about it. Right. So the only way that you can protect your interest is by uh, being vigilant, is by doing your own research, and is by reading the fine print of the documents that you're signing with whoever it is, and trying to understand what is the consequence of me doing this. And is the person who's selling me a particular product, is he going to get a cut out of it or no? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a very important uh, mind shift that needs to happen. Right.
0: Ah that that that's uh, I think this is one of the most enlightening <laughs> conversation that I would have had with anyone over past I, I don't know maybe months uh, because this is uh, this is a subject that is so important that we seldom think about this right yeah. it's it's really important it it impacts your life on a daily basis probably so you have given such good insights uh, at least have been really helpful for me I'm going to go back And listen to this episode again and again, because it needs to get embedded in my mind, uh, probably during the editing. And even after that, I keep listening to my episodes. So now that you have given so much of insight, I'm sure that the person listening to this right now wants to know how to reach out to you. So where can you find where can we find you on the web?
1: Uh, on, the, on the web I'm uh, I'm there on Facebook I'm there on Twitter and I, uh, you can also have uh, my email ID listed on the show notes yes it is uh, nagasubramania at gmail.com look for it in the show notes
0: yeah so uh, as I said earlier Naga also hosts uh, a podcast the Passion People podcast please go and listen to what he does there because what you have seen is just one part of it and he discusses much more with uh, you know even more intelligent people than me uh where the conversations are much much more better so please go and listen to his show as well subscribe to it and leave a comment and rating on itunes which will help uh, him and probably do the same for our show as well if you like this episode thank you so much for your time man and this was really an enlightening conversation that we had
1: my pleasure vishnu
0: awesome always fun talk yeah see you soon man